strives to bring the church world and the art world closer together. My name is Matt Anderson, and I want to thank you for joining us for what I think is a very special episode. I want to tell you a little bit more about my guest before I uh, formally introduce him. He spent almost his entire life uh, in the Cleveland area. Um, somewhere around, I want to say 13 years ago, 12, 13 years ago, he started a self-named uh, film and video company. A few years ago, that would uh, morph and be rebranded as the Cleveland Film Company. He is the founder of that. Uh, here's their mission. This is right from their website. We are a Cleveland-based film production company that serves clients all over the country. Our team of highly skilled filmmakers use their craft and artistry to make the strongest films possible, whether it's a documentary, brand film, commercial, entertainment, or other media. We believe in excellence, health, and integrity, and are interested in partnering with like-minded people to bring to life powerful stories that, as films, speak for themselves. And if you know anything of his work, you know he has lived up to that mission. Um, Their work has been featured at many uh, film festivals, national and international. It has been uh, the recipient of nominations and awards. Um, And they continue to move forward with an interesting and amazing path. Uh, He is married to his wife, Elizabeth, now for 13 years, and they have a son together. Travis Pollard, welcome to the Madcast. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. We've had an adventurous day, haven't we? Oh, man. <laughs> this is called the director's cut of the Madcast, but um, Travis definitely has a lot of expertise, and he's been showing me some ways that I can upgrade uh, the podcast, and that was the plan today, but unfortunately, computer software sometimes gets demonic, and uh, that's fine. We have other ways of uh, handling those situations, so um, no problem. But I know the the ideas that he is bringing, uh, you're going to hear on this podcast. So I'm going to start right off the bat, Travis, with what led you to film? I mean, I, I know you are a lover of art. I believe you took art history in college, but what specifically led you to film? Yeah, um, so film is something that I think uh, as a, a child in a single parent household, I grew up uh, with watching movies and uh, weekends when mom was at work, I, I would, um, um, I would watch movies every weekend, and and they the stories really were oh, they were a way of escaping and they were a way of seeing myself as a hero in a, in a world where at the, especially mm. as a, you know, in my elementary days, I, I wasn't, I was, I was bullied as a kid. And, mm. and for me, films were a way of escape and they were very powerful for me. And as I, as I grew, um, actually in high school, I was very good in math and science. I had, a a lot of, uh, actually full ride scholarships to very prestigious schools for engineering. And I, um, but I had this thing growing in my heart where, um, I, I saw that path of 
engineering, which I still enjoy, I still enjoy math and science, uh, I saw that path as something that um, would get me a job and would get me a, uh, a, a do something I enjoyed, but but I felt like I had to, to lay that back on the table, and I really felt God calling me to, to explore something that was a lot more risky and a lot less clear and made a lot less sense. And, um, and, I, and I ended up giving all of that up to pay, kind of pay my way through college and did that in a very awkward and like uh, circuitous path to, uh, to study film and to, to kind of follow that in a way that um, the steps weren't clear. And, um, and, uh, and so it sort of, it really was, I feel like a, a, tug, at, uh, like a tug at my heart by the Lord to, um, to sort of pursue the joy of making films and to share those with people and to figure out what that means. And it's such a big medium that, that I'll never stop being, I'll never stop learning about it. Um, but kind of, I know that's sort of a, a general answer, but it really was, uh, um, I think just something deep inside of me where it was like, no, being able to, the joy when you get a story from beginning to end and it works. Mm. Um, and when you're, you know, you spend time and so much of what we, what, what we do is, um, we do a lot of commercial, but what, so much of what we do is documentary-based. And so when we when we spend time listening and just trying to kind of be aware of ourselves, but kind of listening for the authenticity of of who we're we're getting to know, and hearing their beautiful stories, and hearing these pieces of it emerge, and to see things in their stories that and connect the dots in a way that they they weren't aware of, they were there, you know. But we were able to share it back with with people sometimes, in, in a way that they were like, "Wow, that's." that's what we do. That's what we, that was, that's what happened. And, and it's a really empowering thing to be a part of. So, um, I guess it's a long winded explanation of of how I came into this, but, um, nice. Yeah. Who, uh, who were some early influences for you in film? People who really inspired you? I guess, um, the big director that really caught me as a, as a teenager was actually Alfred Hitchcock. And, um, as a kid, I remember I was always drawn to the older, older content hmm. and, um, I, his films just, there was just a, there's just a simplicity and a beauty to, to what he does. And he's a, he's a wonderful example. Actually, I, th- I think of him in some of the, the technical perils we've had today. Um, because he was somebody who always understood that it was about story Yeah, and always, um, it, it, there's a beautiful line, a quote that I, I can, I, I still remember it's, um, he said once, um, the, uh, the motion picture is not a display of, is not an arena for a display of techniques. It is rather a method of telling a story where techniques, beauty, virtuosity of the camera, all things must be sacrificed or compromised when they get in the way of the story itself. Mm. And it's just a really good, cause it, the thing about film is it's so, it's so big. And in order to do it, you have to understand every element of the technical and be able to command through all of that technical to be able to, 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 to work with subtlety and nuance. And that's a very difficult thing. And it's so easy to get caught up with the cameras and the sensors and the sound and the right. It, special effects and oh you know, all those kinds of things. And it's, and there's so many, and the way that those all, and a lot of, and we've all seen films where it's like, something's not right. Like they're just, right. they, they have all the pieces, but they're not working together in a concert. Right. right. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and it, some of them are so bad that it's fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. Depending on how much money you spent on the experience. <laughs> uh, yes, always. <laughs> um, so as someone who was studying the craft, um, what, what made you decide to take the big step of 
really starting your own business. I mean, if, if I can put that into an entrepreneurial, and I, I think it's okay to do that in the artistic world because we need art entrepreneurs. But what, what made you take that next step to do that? It's a great question. Um, I think for me, it was, um, it was just a, it was a matter of when I started pursuing it, um, I didn't necessarily see career, a career path. I didn't have, um, I didn't go and find people that were illuminating a career path for me. And, um, one of the things about, and I, I grew up in Cleveland and one of the things about the industry, especially at that time, it's like, it wasn't, there was, there was things happening in Cleveland, but there were things, most of the industry at that moment, you know, and I'm talking late nineties, early two thousands here. It's like, I didn't see it from my vantage point. And so for the best that I could do is I, I did whatever I could to, to not let that stop me. And, um, and I guess that's where it started, which actually out of a, a silly place, but, um, not letting, you know, it's just sort of doing what I can. And, and really, I guess what, as far as to kind of, when I really kind of like the beginning of my business was after all of that. Um, and after meeting not filmmakers, but artists, um, and, letting who are really good at what they did and growing from kind of what I would consider a teenager, um, at least from a, like a craft standpoint, very young, like very raw talent, but not a lot of skill set, Right. And seeing people do what they do with excellence, my work got better. And, um, and for me, it was just, um, and then, and then after that, um, as I started getting better, I then started meeting, other filmmakers who are also really good at what they did. And, and for me, it was just a matter of like, always just trying to be creative on how can we create a project or how can we serve, you know, there's this opportunity to do this video that has money behind it. Like, wouldn't it be better than having to do the coffee shop job? And, and for me, it was just a matter of like creating opportunities to collaborate with artists and, and, and to just fund our own, my life and their life with within the medium so that we could practice and our goal from the beginning and my goal from the beginning was to last long enough uh economically with this business so that we would eventually get good at it mm. yeah well and you have uh, and, and it, i mean it was a really bold step to take and i think the lord really blessed your path because you were following you were following it and uh and then you did the really hard work of networking and just I don't know. I think everybody in the city of Cleveland knows you at this point. And, uh, you, you know, you've done the very hard work of making yourself known and finding people you can collaborate with. You personally within film though, have really taken a, uh, a, a circular journey in the sense that of course you kind of had to do everything at the beginning as anyone who starts their own business. So you're the cinematographer, you're the editor, you're the director, you're the, you know, all that. But, but then as growth came to your company, you shifted almost exclusively towards the role of producer. Um, and then you've, and which you've been there for a number of years, but it seems like within the last year or so, you've kind of almost gone back, haven't you, to getting more like camera in hand and being like right there in the action? Yeah, I, I would say it's the last like maybe four years. Um, absolutely. But no, you're right. Well, for me, I guess what happened was, um, as I was just going as fast as I could pursuing things and collaborating with people and, and finding people I could learn from, um, and doing whatever I could to make to make good work, um, and make the best work I could at the moment, I, I definitely got um, one of my early frustrations um, was that um, was that the work that I was capable of, 
um, 15 years ago was not was I wanted to make work that was better than that. And I think we should always maintain an element of that. There's work, the work that we do now, I'm very proud of, but I also am like, oh, wait, I, I see where this can get better, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And so that, that, that never goes away. But, but I know at that moment, um, there was a bigger gap. And um, the one thing that I was very, became very aware of is if, if I am the producer and the director and the cinematographer and the, <laughs> the grip and the, uh, the sound and, uh, you know, and I'm wearing all of those hats at once, then inside of any given moment, my attention can only be given to one, maybe two of those things. And mm-hmm. that is where uh, mistakes can happen. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and for me, it was a matter of seeing like what I was capable of versus what I wanted to be making. And, and so for me, empowering others to partner with me to be able to make work was extremely important because I wanted to be able to work through other people to help create something big, better and bigger. Um, so there's a... I guess I, I put this in one of one of uh, one of uh, the films I co-directed years ago, um, which is, and I'm going to mess up my own quote, but it's just something along the lines of like, um, if you don't learn if you don't learn to leverage the talents of other people, you'll never make work bigger than yourself, and that was what I realized as somebody who is just starting of like, I want to make work bigger than myself, and I always want to be able to do that, and honestly, if I could stand back in the background as producer and empower others and and that like I, I and and just do that more and more and more I I would be really happy I think in the last few years the you know um realizing like that 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 has happened and the others have continued to develop and do wonderful wonderful things um the team that I work with is just really talented but I also um was finding that there's a lot of things um, on the ground level, if you will, that I, I still not just had to learn from a technical standpoint, but could offer a new wisdom in. And so I've just really enjoyed stepping back into camera and stepping back into some of those more on the ground roles um, in order to sort of, um, and some of it's practical. Uh, we shot a film in Haiti a few years ago. It was a neat opportunity. And Yeah, it was, uh, it's really good. It's oh, really good. Well, thank you. I'd say we're... Uh, we're dialing our last, it's taken forever to make. When you fund your own films and they get bigger than they're supposed to be, it's just, it takes forever. <laughs> and and the gist of this documentary is you're following a group of surgeons and medical professionals from Akron, correct? Yep. And they're going down to Haiti to help those who normally would not be able to have heart procedures. Um, and I, I might be limiting that. Um, am I close? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, uh, yeah, there's a, there was a team from Akron. There was also a team from the surgical team was from Italy. Um, and then, Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. And then there were some people from around the country that were also, but we were kind of, um, our main partnership was sort of following the Akron team who was sort of heading up the ICU and, and to kind of, um, and it's a great organization called gift to life, but basically you're, you're spot on. It's like in, in Haiti, they didn't have the capacity to, to do, to identify, um, internally just uh, identify certain heart issues for, for children. And so, or, and they definitely didn't have the ability to, um, don't have the ability to do those surgeries. And so, um, one of the things is when we, um, when we were working with them, they, so the teams are coming in, but they were like, uh, since we finished the film, actually, Dr. Alexandra Noizan has become the first Haitian pediatric cardiologist who, who's now in the country able to identify these these kids. But long story short, we were down there, um, and there was just a, there was just two of us down there. It was you know, like I said, not underfunded, uh, no funding. Uh, so there was two of us down there trying to just listen and be flies on the wall and follow the story where it would. And and for me, it was a way of kind of bringing. Um, 
you know, it's like there's just a practical – there's only two filmmakers, which is really small for any documentary, right? Um, like I'm holding a camera, uh, and and I really enjoyed doing it, but it was just that that I think was one of those things of like let's do this, and and I get to be a director and a producer, but but I'm also, you know, I've got a camera in my hand, and that, and that role is more and more common these days. And, um, um, and it just it was a very life-giving thing. Morgan, personal injury lawyer. You might know me better as Sue Somebody. Back in 2017, when just over a thousand people were asked, do you think that you will become a millionaire during your lifetime? 71% of them said no. I want to speak to you 71% out there. I know you think you'll never have enough income or be able to save enough money, let alone win the lottery, in order to become a millionaire. I have the perfect solution. Sue somebody. Sue somebody. It's the quickest way to fatten your wallet and change your life. Sue somebody. Think about it. Somewhere along the way, Somebody has done you wrong, and now it's time for them to pay up. Sue somebody! Fired from your job? Get a bad piece of perch at a restaurant? Slip and fall anywhere besides your home? Sue somebody! If you've been injured in an accident, insulted by any human being on Earth, or a supermarket cashier improperly scanned your nectarine, Sue somebody! There is no end to who Sue can sue. I can sue anybody. Just call our Sue line, 888-SUE-SOMEONE, and find out if you have a case. I'll bet you do. Had to wait too long at the coffee shop for your frappuccino? Someone not wearing a mask that should be wearing a mask? Someone trying to make you wear a mask when you don't want to wear a mask? Sue somebody! It's time for you to have someone who is amoral and without scruples on your side. Go to suesomeone.com to see testimonials from former clients and how they got theirs with my help. It's time to rediscover the American dream. Namely, suing the pants off someone with deeper pockets. I'm Sue Morgan, and I settle for more. Sue somebody! What makes you decide 
in your company what projects you will take on um, or not take on. Uh, I know that's a very vast answer, but is there is there kind of a short criteria for you that makes you other than it pays, <laughs> um, other than those obvious things that you'll like? Yes, this project is perfect for us. It's a great question. Um, it's a it's a hard one to answer because um, you know. Uh, and I think that I think of this in terms of any kind of uh, artistic endeavor or any kind of sustained project. It's um, y- you're always you're always um, you're always in process, right? And you're always sort of working within um, a set of questions that you're asking yourself and you're asking of the world, and and the work is sort of kind of comes out of that constant conversation and. So as far as what what is the right project for for the now, um, part of that you know part of that's opportunity, like you said, um, you know if a project if somebody's got a project and they they're looking for our, our help on it, and it's like oh I can really get behind this and um, you know and and we can we can we can do this really wonderful thing together. Like um, a lot of I think what for us what works so well is just sort of we're really blessed with great relationships and we don't really put a lot of emphasis on growth in terms of having a lot of clients. We, we, we're open to talking to anybody, but it's like, we're really, um, we, we, when we get, when we, when we work with new clients, we spend a lot of time getting to know them in the first project or two that we do together. And, um, we really put a lot of emphasis on, um, bringing value into the relationships that we have. And so for instance, like, you know, if, uh, uh, you know, Nick were to call me up and he says, Hey, Travis, this is this thing and we're doing this and it's going to be awesome. I love you. I was like, absolutely. Because there's so much invested in that relationship that, and there's so much trust in that relationship um, that no matter, and I trust Nick, for instance, enough to know whatever he brings to me, I'm going to trust him to follow him in that way. Um, and then aside from that, you know, I think it's really, uh, it changes you know, season to season. Um, and I know as we've gone on, it's like I've actually had to become more careful with taking projects that we fund um, because especially as we progressed, it's like the our attention to detail is so much sharper than it was five, ten years ago. And, um, and uh, our ability to command larger projects is much, much better. But that also means <laughs> it, it takes a lot. To, that last five percent of growth that we've had has made become a lot more. It takes a lot more time to get that, and mm. um, and we're not really changing our process uh, just because we're funding it. So it's like we're we're not like we're not doing it cheaper because we're funding it, right? Like we're we're still putting in all of the time and attention, and oftentimes more. And so you know, what a project that could have cost us three or four hundred hours six years ago because we're approaching it with, we, we know, you know, that, that how to get that next 5%. We know how to get that next 10% of quality and, and just authenticity and just sort of um, intimacy with the characters. It's like, it takes, it doesn't take 400 hours. It, it takes 800. It takes 1,000. Like, this is six months of somebody's life, right? Like, if you were to put it on one person, which is, it's not how it works. It's a team approach. But, you know, these are massive undertakings. And so we've had to become more careful when we take on projects that we fund because, because of things like that. But, um, 
and just trying to be good stewards of our time. And, uh, and for me as a business owner, it's like there's, you know, I have a, a small team of filmmakers and they, they trust me with their time. Um, and we're really fortunate to have amazing clients and we make payroll and it's, you know, just coming through this COVID thing and we, we haven't missed payroll and that's fantastic. And the Lord's provided and that's really awesome. But, um, you know, but it's like, but at the end of the day, it's like they're, they're choosing to call, you know, my company home. And I really want to honor their personal investment with the projects that we take on. So as a, uh, a Christian and a filmmaker, um, what is it uh, for you? How does that play out um, in in your role in the marketplace? Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, we we know you're you're not getting up on the craft services table and going, Jesus. You know, I mean, it's not that's not necessary. Well, if you do, you can let me correct me on that. But uh, you know, there's there's those. Um, you kind of have to pick your spots, I would assume. Most of it is probably just being the gospel and being who Christ is, because that's really what is going to attract anyone towards what you know and believe. I think that's about right. I think for me, um, as far as, you know, I guess that, that intersect of my, my faith and my, my career and my, my, my profession, um, I think years ago, um, you know, I, it's funny. I, and we've, we've, we talk about this all the time. It's like for a long time, it's like, I, I'm really comfortable with my, my faith in Christ, um, and my identity in Christ and, and what that means. And when I pour into the scriptures, it's like, I, there's just this amazing, uncanny, uh, God who is constantly revealed in new ways because he is so much bigger than I imagine. And, 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 and even with that, it's like, um, for for all these reasons, for a very long time, as as I live mostly in the sort of secular world and the the the, the art world to a certain degree in the film industry, it's like that I don't I don't bring any of that up to people because of all of the various things that they the genuine authentic experiences that they've had that aren't necessarily positive, and so it's for me it's just a matter of loving people where they are. And doing that in very practical ways, and as they get to know me, they know um, kind of what I'm about, and uh, and I'm happy to share. And I've become, as especially as I've gotten older and and more comfortable with that that line, I've become more comfortable sort of talking about my faith as my faith, and and, and doing that in a way that isn't preaching. Um, and that's a, been a hard thing for me, and it's because um, you know I think maybe a decade ago, it's like it's like I you know one on one, I would have been ha- I, I was happy to share. Um, elements of my faith and perspective with people that were, uh, that knew me. Um, but I wasn't going to make any public statements, not because I didn't believe in it, but because that wasn't what I was called to do. And ultimately I'm working in a, you know, working in a world that, uh, that a lot of people have been, they've got really legitimate, um, have really legitimate battle wounds. Mm. And, and I'll be honest with you, they, they come from the church, you know? And mm. it's like, when you hear their stories, it's like, Oh man, dude, I'm on your side, like you know, and 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 I'm not dogging the church here. I'm just saying it's like, you know, when you're when you're interacting with people, and the first thing I like, if I were to, the first thing I was going to bring is my faith, is like that's opening up real wounds for them. And so it's for me, it's just a matter of like, just like I'm intersecting with them as a filmmaker, and so that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a filmmaker, and I'm going to love them as, where they are as somebody who's working on a film with me, you know, yeah. and 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 that's been a you know. That's been a hard road for me. 
All right, we will put a bookmark there in the interview and return next week for part two of my conversation with Travis Pollard. I uh, hope you're enjoying that. We uh, appreciate you being a part of the Matcast. Our music is by Sound of Fusion. We hope to see you again soon. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. For more info, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time.